0: Alright, right. right. Day 210. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. Alright, so basically uh, we're in Ezekiel chapter 13 and remember um, Ezekiel is receiving these prophecies from the Lord and in chapter 13, God is telling him, Yo, I want you to prophesy against the false prophets. Now, remember, one of the major roles of the prophetic office in the Old Testament was to rebuke false prophets in the land who would lead God's people astray. And Moses warned God's people um, that they would rise up and how to distinguish between a legit prophet and a false one in Deuteronomy 13. And Ezekiel is just playing on the same themes here. And so in verse 9, he's going to say, Yo, my hand, will be against the prophets who see false visions and speak lying divinations and then he'll say this after that since they have led my people astray by saying peace when there is no peace and since when a flimsy wall is being built they plaster it with whitewash in other words the false prophets speak these ear tickling messages as Paul would say and they give false hope False assurance and false security to God's people. God is going to judge them as well. And he says that um, they have not even see, received a word from the Lord. And in our own day, man, this stuff still exists. And one of the best ways we can guard ourselves from false teaching is to fill our minds with sound teaching. Right. And so this is why scripture intake is so key. The better we know God's voice, the more the more time we spend with truth the less likely we'll be um susceptible to fall for lies and so spend time yeah that's why we do this podcast because we want to fill um, our minds with truth and so 14 comes and he says son of man these men have set up idols in their hearts and have put their sinful stumbling blocks in front of themselves should i actually let them inquire of me so basically what happens After this, is that God is not just going to rebuke the prophets, but He's going to rebuke rebuke the elders of Israel as well. Um, And they were coming to Ezekiel to get a word from the Lord with idols (laughs) firmly lodged within their hearts. And God is like, yo, if they come to me asking for anything, I'm not going to give them what they want, right? I'm going to answer them based off the one who is truly driving their lives. And listen, Some of our biggest problems, I think God is trying to say, is not what we do on the outside. It's about who we let who we've let inside. Right. Some of us haven't just let idols into God's temple, but idols into our very own hearts and they have made their home. Therein. And he says this, for this is what the Lord God says. How much worse will it be when I send my four Devastating judgments against Jerusalem, sword, famine, dangerous animals, and plague in order to wipe out both people and animals from it. And so God said said this. He's like, yo, man, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in the land, I wouldn't spare the land on behalf of them. In fact, I would save them and wipe everyone else out with sword, famine, and plague. And what this text is saying here, and we'll repeat later in chapter 18, is that in some sense, everyone is individually accountable to God for their actions. And once again, um, this sword, famine, plague, all these things is yeah, it's just a fulfillment of the Deuteronomy covenant, Deuteronomy 28, the curses that God promised that would um, come out and be for his people had they dis obeyed him everybody is accountable to the lord our relationship with the lord is yes communal in some sense that we are to keep each other faithful but at the end of the day we're going to have to stand before him in the i'm not going to stand before him on behalf of my friend's sins i'm going to have to stand before him on behalf of my very own and if i'm in christ there's nothing to worry about 15 comes um and 15 and 16 lastly man are just Uh, The beginning of a small section where God is going to start using these parables to talk to Ezekiel about the way Israel is. So, chapter 15 begins a section um, where he's going to talk about, you know, this vineyard, right? And how God's people are like a vineyard. Parables, yeah, didn't originate in the time of Jesus, but Ezekiel was doing them long before Christ. And he's going to compare uh, Israel to this vine branch that was supposed to be fruitful and produce fruit. However, what he's going to say in the Bible has said this before: Is, ah, man, like God's people, because of their sin, had now become useless. They hadn't produced fruit. God wants fruit. He wants, uh, you know, what Paul will say: the fruits of the spirit. He wants this uh, cultivated life of virtue. And here they're so useless as a vine branch. They're so they're so good for nothing, but they're they're not good for anything but fueling the fire that they're going to be thrown. Into and God, yeah, is telling his people, like, yo, um, man, I set you up for success, right? I set you up, um, to be obedient, to be faithful, and you're not good for anything but fire, right? Um, and then 16, yeah, one of my most fa- like one of my favorite passages, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, where God is going to compare Israel to an adulterous wife and he's going to spend so much time just talking about all the great things he's done for his people and god is like man essentially the covenant i made with you through moses was essentially like a marriage contract right it was a marriage covenant it was an oath an agreement between me and you right that only human marriage is a small dim picture of and all throughout the old testament israel is seen as yahweh's bride right and this makes way for what the new testament we we'll talk about with christ uh the, the church being the bride of christ um and that being like a marriage or marriage being uh reflecting that relationship and god is just saying here man like basically you've been a prostitute right you've literally let people in um who wasn't your husband right and man, we've said this before on the podcast, man, but one of the ways, um, to think about our sin and our rebellion towards God is to think about, um, that of a spouse, right? It's to think that like, man, the grief that a spouse would feel, um, if they were stepped out on is the grief that God experiences to an infinite degree when his people are unfaithful. And so he doesn't miss us with any details he goes on and on and on about what this is like and the beauty of it is as uh grieved as the lord is he still says this in the end he says this verse 60 but i will remember the covenant i made with you in the days of your youth and i will establish a permanent covenant with you then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you receive um Your older and younger sisters, I will give them to you as daughters, but not because of your covenant. I will establish my covenant with you and you will know that I am the Lord so that when I make atonement for all you have done, you remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth again because of your disgrace. This is the declaration of the Lord God. And it just ends off and says, man, like I'm going to still atone for your sins. I'm still going to make this permanent covenant with you. Before all of, <clears throat> before Christ even comes to earth, God had made a way. He knew in the mind of God there was this plan to save his unfaithful wayward bride. Praise be to God for his infinite grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy that you've extended upon us, even though we've been unfaithful to you. I pray, God, that these things will convict our hearts. And urge us to repentance and whatever that looks like today. I pray that we will remember the gospel that Christ came to purchase his bride with his own blood. So in Jesus' name we pray.